Morning all. Turn your Bible, see we're at John chapter 17. Begin there in just a moment. We're continuing our distraction sermon series about uh, the idea of uh, things that cause us to spin our wheels. And uh, that's not a good thing, is it? So we need to not be distracted. And the thing we're going to talk about today is difficult relationships. And uh, I have entitled this, Dealing with Brother or Sister So-and-So. <laughs> so, I want you to uh, think for a minute in your life, and I know that everyone here will be able to answer this uh, in the positive and be able to think of somebody. I, w- I would suggest you not write that name down if you're taking notes uh, so that no one around you could uh, see the name. But I want you to think right now, for someone in your life, it might be your spouse, your husband or wife, uh, might be one of your children, might be your parents, might be a neighbor, a co-worker, a relative, somebody in your life that is difficult. Someone in your life that... In all honesty, it is a little bit of work to have a good rapport with. Now here's the thing, you need to be humble because someone may be thinking of you. <laughs> so that's the thing about, about people is that we have a hard time sometimes dealing with each other. Now, Jesus in John 17, verse 22, this is a prayer that He has right before He goes to the cross. And I want us to notice what His emphasis is as it pertains to us, to people. He says, uh, I have given them the glory that You have given Me, that they may be, what? One. As we are one, I and them and You and Me, may they be brought to complete unity. To let the world know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's Jesus before he goes to the cross. All the things that could possibly be on his mind. And what's on his mind? People. And their ability and the struggle of people to get along with each other. May they be brought to unity. May they be one. It has always been hard... For people to get along with each other. That's just natural. It's not a, a, a thing of our time versus, boy, in years past, everybody got along great. No, that wasn't the truth. And we don't know the future, but we can probably pretty easily sort of surmise that if time goes on, you know, the, the uh, phenomenal and inventiveness of man and all that, I mean, who knows, you know, we may be driving the cars, uh, you know, they, they sort of levitate, you know, and no tires and all that kind of thing. You know, the uh, Jetsons, uh, if, if, that, if you're old enough to even remember what the Jetsons are, uh, the, the young people are like, what, what is he talking about? Uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, uh, all that kind of thing. You know, if time goes on, I think people will always have a hard time dealing with each other. Let's look at a couple situations here. Look over the book of Acts. Now, this is just uh, literally a few years after what Jesus prayed. The church has now been established in Jerusalem. There's thousands of members of the church, and, the, and Christianity is beginning to grow. And in verse 1, it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, so here's a group of people in the church, the Grecian Jews among them, Complain 
against the Hebraic Jews. So you have sort of two different groups here, right? Uh, oh, chapter 6. Didn't I say that? I'm sorry. Who was the brave soul that said that? Who was that? Thank you, Carlos. Everybody says thank you. We have no idea what Marty's reading. Acts 6. Sorry about that. You mean you people can't read my mind? What's wrong with you? I don't want to read your mind. Well said. Uh, And I don't want to read yours either. Acts 6, verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, so a group of of, uh, the early Christians, complained against the Hebraic Jews. So you have two different groups here, right? And they're sort of griping with each other back and forth uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, we don't know really what's going on here. We don't know if this is an exaggeration or really maybe there was a problem and a group of the early church wasn't being taken care of. But we see here what? We see friction, don't we? You have a group of people feels like, hey, you're not taking care of my mom. Well, what, what's wrong with you people? Okay, look a little further ahead uh, to Acts 15. So it wasn't just groups that had these kind of problems. It was also individuals. Acts 15. In verse 36, it says, Sometime later, sometime later Paul and Barnabas, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And so, Paul has this idea. They had planted a bunch of churches. said, hey, let's go back and let's revisit and let's see how they're developing and how everything's going. Barnabas wanted to take John. So Barnabas says, hey, I've got a good idea. Let's take this, that guy, that young kid, John. Also called Mark with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark. And Paul says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. We took him last time. And he sort of, you know, deserted and, and, and went back home. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Then Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers, by the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So they both end up sort of, you know, still doing the Lord's work. But what do we see here? We see friction, don't we? And this is a disagreement about who should we take with us when we go back and visit the churches. You know, the thing is, people can disagree about nearly anything. Think of the disagreements that you have in life sometimes, and and really, almost in a chuckling way, think, you know, well, it really doesn't make any difference what we do. You know, should we go to this restaurant or should we go to that one? You know, I remember the earliest memories of, of arguing with my brother. Uh, he wanted to go to McDonald's and I wanted to go to Sandy's. Now, Sandy's became Hardy's, uh, if, if that helps you out. But uh, I wanted to go to Sandy's and he wanted to go to Hardy's. And uh, my mom and dad, being the great arbiters that they were, said, since you're arguing about it, we'll go home. Oh, oh great. Uh, so, you know, they knew how to stop an argument real quick, and uh, <laughs> one of us uh, gave in uh, quickly, I'm sure, uh, but that kind of thing. We can argue about anything, can't we? Yeah. 
You know, do you love the Lakers? Do you love the Clippers? Are you a Bruins fan? Are you a Trojans fan? You know, uh, probably more Trojans fans in here with the campus ministry and all that kind of thing. I mean, we, we, we can find ways and people do to argue about nearly anything in life. And they had some real problems. Look over to 1 Corinthians. It's a little later down the road. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul now is writing letters to these churches. And this is the letter to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. To the Corinthians, right? Well, look at verse 1 and verse 10. I mean, he no more than says hi, and I hope everybody's doing good. And this is what he says. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no division among you. And that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still other, I follow Christ. And he goes on and he talks about this. Look over chapter 3. He says, brothers, verse 1. I could not address you as spiritual, uh, as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're still not ready for it. Indeed, you're not. You are still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So, even in the early church, you had difficulty of people dealing with each other. Now let me say a couple things here that I think might rock some of you, but you need to really listen to what I'm saying. Just because someone is a Christian doesn't mean that they are a mature Christian. He said, well, you've been a Christian for ten years. Noted. That doesn't mean that they have the maturity that you would expect someone who's been a Christian for ten years to have. You're putting a judgment on them. I expect you to be further on than you are, if you know what I'm saying. You know, sometimes when when we talk about people in the church, we say, well, you know, hey, I met my wife or I met my husband in the church. As if if you meet someone who's a Christian and you get married and you're a Christian and she's a Christian and you're a Christian, he's a Christian, that you're going to have this idyllic marriage because you married someone who's a Christian. There is no guarantee you're ever going to read in the Bible that comes anywhere near saying that. And some people are very disillusioned. They're very hurt. Well, man, you know, I, you know, I, I married a Christian and, and, you know, I got a dud. What's wrong with that? I mean, you know, I mean, you, know you, you got to realize there's no guarantee that just because you're a Christian and you married a Christian that you're going to have a great and happy marriage. There are some people I am convinced that are hard to be married to. Now, this is a whole other sermon. And I don't want to go way down the rabbit hole on this. But to say the very least, dealing with difficult people is something we all have to do. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child. I'll tell you what, you have children. And if you think, oh, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to have a a Christian child, and this child is just going to be wonderful. Whoa! Whoa! 
You to put on your seatbelt, Dad. I mean, the road is a rough road ahead. There's no way. Well, my mom and dad are Christians. Well, your mom and dad may not be very good Christians. Dealing with difficult... You know, you have a teacher. You ever have a teacher? And remember, you've got the teenagers down here. I mean, all of us were in school at one time. At least most of us were anyway. Um, you ever had a teacher that was a difficult teacher to deal with? Not all of them. If all of them were difficult, then you may want to look back on yourself. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you have a teacher that's difficult to deal with. You know? You have students that are difficult to deal with. This is part of life. It's part of, of the reality. Now, here's how I want to attack this thing today. We're not going to solve the problem, okay? But we're going to hopefully drill down a little bit into what do you need to do? What do I need to do? How do we need to comport ourselves? How do we need to act and react? What do we need to be internally? To be part of the solution, not part of the problem. If you understand what I'm saying. That you will make a situation at least somewhat better because you come into it with this. And I've got, first of all, I have a scripture in Colossians 3 we're going to look at that's going to be sort of entitled, Get Ready. And then we're going to get ready to be merciful and get ready to be helpful. And hopefully looking at it in this kind of way, we'll come to a better understanding of what we can do with difficult people and difficult situations that we find ourselves in. Look over to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, this is going to get us ready. This is getting ready. You've got to get ready. You know, there's a lot of things in life, if you're not ready for it, you're, 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 you're not going to perform well. You're not going to do well, Right? If you have a test coming up, what do you want to do? You want to get ready for the test, right? You have an athletic event coming up. You want to be ready for the athletic event that you're going to be participating in. Not necessarily watching a game on television. Although, you know, you may want to make sure that you have, you know, your popcorn popped and all that. But uh, the idea of getting ready. Now, Colossians 3, we're not going to read verse 1 uh, coming on down, uh, verse 11. We're going to look at it real quick just sort of to set the scene. We're going to really pick it up in verse 12. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, he's saying is, since now you've become a Christian. Look back to Colossians 2.12. That's what he's making reference to here. Um, he says, uh, Having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Okay? So, if you just sort of skip from 2.12 to 3.1, since then you've been raised with Christ. You see the connection? See, he he makes reference to that. Having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him. And then 3.1, since you've been raised with Christ. Okay, since you've been baptized, since you've got your life right with God, you're wanting to live a Christian life now, set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He comes on down in verse 5. He says, put to death these things. And he he lists out a whole bunch of stuff. So, okay, since you've got your life right with God now, you want to be a Christian, you've got to get this stuff out of your life. Put to death these things. Then come on down in uh, uh, verse 12 where we're going to pick it up. 
Therefore. Anytime when you're reading the Bible and it says, therefore, what do you do? You look backwards. Because He said this, now He's going to say that. You put on your socks. Therefore, put on your shoes. Because of what you did, now you're ready to do this, right? You guys following me? Okay, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And we're going to go ahead and read a little bit uh, further as we come along here. But I want to go back to this term. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with. And then he goes on and he lists those things. When you were getting ready, (coughs) getting ready to go to church today, what did you do? You clothe yourself, right? And we can all thank God for that. (laughs) Part of your getting ready was clothing yourself. That's what he's saying. That, That this is the fundamental. Clothe yourself. Get ready for life. If you want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, in relationships. Now, think again back to that person you deal with that's difficult to deal with in your life sometimes. If you want to really be able to handle that better, get ready. Clothe yourself. You know, there's sometimes where you need to get ready. You know you're going to have to deal with it. Get ready. Get your mind set. Clothe yourself. And look at these terms here. These virtues, these qualities. They all have to do with people. Compassion. I suppose you could be compassionate for animals or other beings or the planet. But fundamentally, when we talk about compassion, we're talking about people, aren't we? Clearly. Be compassionate, kind, kindness. You know, the reason some of us have a hard time dealing with people is that we have a really unbridled mean streak from time to time. We do. I do. I don't need to go any further than me on this one. And I have to be careful. Because my... You don't have to agree so quick on that. I heard you over there. Oh. The agreement, and then there's just the exorbitant agreement. <laughs> Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, be nice, and patience. Bear with each other. What's another way to say that? Put up with each other. Now, before you, before you start thinking how you're going to have to really go out of your way to put up with somebody, you need to bear in mind that someone's thinking how much they're going to have to put up with you. You're no piece of cake either. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. I love that word. Grievances. 
grievances tends to mean more than one. Man, we could have, some of you, we got a list on you, man. You got a rap sheet of how bad you are. <laughs> how difficult you are to get along. With the grievance, forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, so we're going to get ready. We're going to get ready. We're going to clothe ourselves with these kind of virtues here. And then the first thing we've got to learn to do is be merciful. Look over to the book of James. James 2. This, as I age in life, I've got to tell you, as a young Christian, I don't think I even read this passage. If I did, I read it and it didn't even register with me. It just went right over it. But the older I grow in, 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 in my life, and uh, obviously as a Christian as well, this passage means a lot more to me. James chapter 2 and verse 12. Speak and act. So what you say and what you do. As those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I don't want judgment. I don't even want what I deserve. I want mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It is crucial that this really sort of sink into us. If we're going to be a person that can deal with difficult people around us, and you're going to have difficult people in your life, I don't know who they're going to be, but I know you're going to have difficult people in your life. You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to treat this person with judgment, or am I going to treat them with mercy? You're going to have people in your life that let you down and annoy you and disappoint you time and time and time and time again. It's not going to be a one-time event. It's not going to be something that they more than likely wake up and realize, I'll never do that again and really never ever do it again. This is someone you're going to have to deal with for a long time. Probably a family member. Are you going to treat them with judgment and say, listen, she has been a jerk. She, has, she, she lied. She, she, she didn't do this. She said she did it. She flat out treated the whole family wrong. And everything you're saying is true. Okay, you're going to treat her with judgment? Or are you going to treat her with mercy? Well, you better be careful about the judgment thing because what does it say? Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. You better back off. You better be careful. Jesus put it this way, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know what measuring cups are, don't you? You know, quarter cup, half cup, full cup, that kind of thing. 
you know, for some of us, when we're, when we're dishing out mercy, man, we, we got the quarter cup thing. <laughs> but when we want mercy, we're like, well, you, you need to get the full cup. <laughs> that, that, that's the measure I want to be measured with, is the full cup of mercy. Yet, we're, we're only handing out a quarter cup of mercy. Jesus says, with the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, guys, merciful is a big deal right here. Because mercy in, in, in involves forgiveness. And saying, yes, you are guilty, but I will forgive. Now, there's a balance to that. Look over to Matthew 18. And this is the words of Jesus. I think when we're dealing with things like this, a lot of times it's really good just to go back and say, well, is there a passage where Jesus directly covers a concept? And we can see what Jesus said. Well, He does cover this. In Matthew 18, in verse 15. Now, He's talking here about if your brother sins against you. Okay? Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as if you would a pagan and a tax collector. Jesus says there actually is a time when there may be a broken relationship that, you know, is not really the kind of relationship you would hope for. So mercy without judgment doesn't mean that there's never a time when you just say, hey, you know, I think we've gone sort of as far as we can go right now. Uh, maybe a Paul-Barnabas type thing where Paul and Barnabas still both continued with the work of the Lord, but they, they sort of went separate ways. Barnabas took John Mark and went one way, and Paul went the other way. Now, it is interesting to note that later on in the Scriptures, they do make favorable comments about each other. So it's not like they, they can't stand each other and they hate each other. But they genuinely had a difference that they couldn't resolve as it pertains should they take John Mark or not. Jesus deals with this. There is a time when things are broken, and that may have to be uh, registered. And Jesus talks about that. He has a pretty big you know, process to go through before you get there. But even Jesus admits, you know, things can get a little out of hand. But the idea of being merciful is something we should do. The other thing I want to look at is this idea of being helpful. Look over to Ephesians 4. I'm going to close with this in Ephesians 4. This idea of being helpful. You guys going to Ephesians 4? You getting that quickly? Alright. Ephesians 4. In verse 29. He actually says a lot of good things uh, before this, beginning in verse 17, but we don't really have time to deal with all that. We'll pick it up in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk... Remember earlier we talked about speaking or talking? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. What is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Merciful is an important concept. Helpful is also a really important concept here when you're dealing with people that are difficult to deal with. I want to be helpful. I want to say something that would be helpful. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. And you know what I found in my life? 
when I'm not sure what I should say, I should say less, not more. Because I'm not, if I'm not sure what I should say, and I start talking, probably what's going to happen? Bad, bad, bad stuff. Boy, I appreciate that intellectual comment right there. <laughs> bad stuff. Yes, because I really don't know what I'm saying, but I, I feel compelled to say something, and so I'm, just, I'm yabbering on. And, and what's, it's probably not good, right? Probably going to say something I shouldn't say if I don't say anything. If I keep talking. Say what's helpful to build others up. You know, a lot of times in my life, if I'm going to say something helpful, I have to think about it before I say it. There's a little pre-thought that goes in. And I'm not just going off the top of my head. I'm actually representing some some preparation there. Because I'm trying to be helpful. And I love the way he puts this here. Helpful to build others up according to their needs. What do they need? What will be beneficial for them? Have you ever felt a situation in life, I bet you have, where you wanted to say something, you thought it probably wasn't going to be helpful, but you just wanted to say it so bad? You know what I'm saying? See, he's not saying here, you need to say what really makes you happy. Why said it? Well, aren't you wonderful? You just set a relationship back maybe years. It may take years to fix what you just blurted out because you wanted to serve it. You say things that are helpful to the other person's needs. What do they need to hear? You say, well, it was the truth. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that are true that don't need to be said. Just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. Think about that. Just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. And let me give you a hint here, guys. If you don't say anything, sometimes people have a higher opinion of you than if you start talking. Because <laughs> the longer you talk, the lower their opinion is going. <laughs> they didn't think you were very smart, and now you confirmed it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you, your measuring rod here is according to their needs. You guys with me here? So how do you deal with these distracting relationships that happen in our life? I hope I gave you some... This is game plan stuff right here, guys. Hopefully this lesson is practical like practical can never be. Get ready. Okay? Get ready. That was the uh, passage in where? Well, that was in uh, Colossians 3, right? 
And Colossians 3, get ready in your mind of the things you want to do. Clothe yourself. Get ready. And then be merciful. And try to be helpful. Now here's the wonderful thing about living with the Lord in eternity. We're going to struggle with people in the world. In this life, we're going to struggle with people. I am, you are, that's part of the human struggle. And, uh, you know, this church here is no more uh, perfect than any other church ever was, any more than the church in, in the book of Acts was. We're going to struggle. That, that struggle is part of being alive, it's part of living in a fallen world. We're going to struggle with people in this world. But in the next world, living with the Lord, living with the saved all the time, we're going to have perfect unity. And won't that be one of the greatest aspects? You know, uh, we always wonder, you know, what will, what will it be like to be in heaven? And, you know, some of us, uh, you have our mind, uh, you know, maybe go different ways and that kind of thing. But one of the things certainly is going to be is that a situation of being with the Lord and being with the saved of all time in perfect unity. What a great vision. What a great thought. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it, we'll, we'll struggle now. But we're going to have a, a great unity in heaven. Hopefully our study today has been practical for you. You can take something home with you and, and know how to apply this. Love you guys. It is an honor and a privilege for Chris and I to be your servants. You are dismissed.